0: good afternoon it's niall boylan with you wife, right. well certainly for the next hour or so anyway now you may remember going back about well must be about six weeks ago now we were discussing divorce and we were discussing cheating and we were discussing all sorts of things in the air and a man rang in to say how difficult his life was and the reason his life was difficult was because he had decided that he was gay 26 years into his marriage And many callers rang into the show on that day. And even throughout the the day from the podcast, we received a lot of feedback from people who were disgusted with his attitude that he wasn't going to tell his wife that he was going to continue this life of being gay and meeting men, you know, for hookups and what have you while he was still married and his wife had no idea what was going on. He had three children. And his argument was that he wasn't going to do anything about it until his children got older. So he was going to continue to fool his wife Basically make a her for the next 10 years. People were disgusted. Well, can you imagine what it would be like, not only if your husband was gay, but also if your husband wanted to be a woman? A mother of three lost her husband to what they called autogynophilia. I've never even heard that term before, by the way. But essentially means a man who has a, I suppose, a fetish or wants to be a woman. It was a term coined by a psychologist called Ray Blanchard in 1989. It describes a sexual response characterized by sexual arousal over the idea of becoming a woman. It has a female counterpart, by the way, which is an androphilia or autoandrophilia. A well, One woman who went through that in her life joins me now. Tracy Shannon, good afternoon to you.
1: Hi, thanks for having me.
0: You're so welcome to the show. Now, let's go back and off a good bit in time. I'm assuming it was a happy marriage at the start. You dated. Everything was fine. Were there any indications, you know, when you were courting and dating or when you got married first, that this was going to happen or that there was something unusual?
1: Definitely not when we were dating. Everything was very normal. There were no signs of cross-dressing or feminizing. He was in sports. Um, He had worked a job at one of the national parks during the summer was muscular and um, he was finishing up his degree at a school that here in the states is considered one of the more conservative schools Mm -hmm. and everything seemed fine we actually met in a youth group at the church that we both attended in our hometown so no no signs when we were dating and Mm -hmm. now after marriage there's a little different story um, remember, this was in the early 90s when we got married. So there was no Bruce Jenner becoming Caitlyn Jenner in the news. And um, the early signs were that he would tell me that he wanted to shave his legs. He didn't say, he Did, did, to shave did his you legs.
0: find that out? Or did he just come out and tell you, like, did you notice that there was a kind of razor being one of your razors probably being used? Did you notice that first and kind of question him, or did he just volunteer that information?
1: He asked me about shaving his legs. He said he um, his hairs. He was doing a a, a pretty um, hard labor job when he first got out of college, and so he said the hairs on his legs were pulling um, whenever he was working outside in the heat. And he was hand augering wells, and mm-hmm. it was hard labor. He said it was making the hairs pull. He always had some kind of wild excuse for wanting to shave something, and I. Was not cool with that at all. I just said, that's going to be really weird for me if you're in bed with prickly legs, you know, that need to be shaved or smooth legs. And, you know, it's going to remind me of when I slept next to my mom whenever I was little. Yeah. And I'm not going to like that. And I will have to sleep in the other room if you um, go through a shaving. So we went back and forth that it wasn't like a huge fight he'd bring it up and i'd say oh i'm not for that and then um he did eventually do it and um i was not a fan i didn't know there was any cross-dressing at that point i just thought he was
0: shaving his legs right
1: but yeah he was like pushing this envelope a bit i didn't think of it as cross-dressing i I just said you don't have like yeah. The body. He would say, Oh, what about athletes? And I said, Well, you don't actually, you know, you're who not is an, you an
0: athlete. You're... Yeah. You're not <laughs> yeah, an athlete. Like... Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you obviously were the type of woman who married. You know, a masculine man. And by the way, you know, the majority of women want to marry a man who is masculine. Masculine is almost a dirty word nowadays. You're not allowed to say the word masculine. They use the word toxic masculinity when they talk about masculinity nowadays. So you wanted a masculine man. And, and by the way, that's not a problem because most women do. And all of a sudden, you started to notice these feminine traits. So it started off with the leg shaving and but did that affect it if you don't mind me asking you but did did that affect your intimacy and was your intimacy with him in that part of the marriage was it fine was it working well was he was he happy enough you know having sex and all that kind of stuff that was that a problem um
1: in the beginning of our marriage sex was not a problem um i think we had a a pretty good love life and i was willing to try you know whatever he wanted to try within limits. It wasn't too long into our marriage. It's like in around the third or fourth year before Mm -hmm. we had children where he was pushing the boundaries with that somewhat asking me to, you know, do things like fantasy stuff, fetishy. And I, I would go along with some of this, but, um, fantasy stuff, but then it felt like it was taking over and I really wasn't into all that. Um,
0: was he dominant? You know, but but was he was he? How would I say? Sometimes I suppose men tend to be dominant during sex. I mean, was he trying to take a submissive position, or did he try yeah. to role play? Was he? Did you notice that change?
1: There was some role playing, and not all of it was submissive. Um, some of it was just like fantasy based. There was this book, and I never looked at everything in this book. It had these like envelopes you pull out. It was called a hundred and one nights or something like that, of great sex, and you open the envelope, and it was either for the male or the female, and and you would have roles to play, uh, props you're supposed to bring. It was a lot of preparation for sex. I mean, I mean to me, it, <laughs> it was, was becoming a chore. <laughs> it was becoming yeah. a bit of a chore. chore. Yeah. Things were not bad, but that's just an example of, like, you know, there was a little adventurous side, you know, to us. And um, we were having fun with that. But he quickly pushed the limit, like, from outside the book. There are a few things in the book I just wasn't comfortable with doing. I said, ooh, this would make me uncomfortable. I wouldn't want to do. And and he was fine with that. No pressure uh, when Mm -hmm. I said that. Um, I mean, he wasn't being, you know, a real jerk uh, at that point. Do you
0: think do you think, sorry for interrupting, but do you think he had an attraction to men? Did you ever notice, like, when you were out sort of, or watching TV, did he ever say, oh, he's a good-looking guy, or did he have an attraction to men?
1: No, no. no. Um, and he did not like um, alpha males, and he would use that word, the term toxic, mm. male or masculine, you, yeah. know, you know, toxicity or whatever it is, and um, so he, he had more of an attitude of not liking men, and I, I didn't quite understand it. It would be about men he worked with. He would, oh, he's a alpha male. He says that. And, and these would be men that I liked because we actually worked together at one place, and then another place I met his boss, and I thought, I don't know. I mean, maybe he's a jerk at work, but... He was the type of guy, uh, you know, like a type of husband I, I mm. thought was fine. And uh, yeah. he seemed to have a happy family, people he talked about. But, you know, back to the the bedroom stuff for a minute, he did start to push the envelope around the um, three or four years in and then had asked me at that point, hey, why don't we both um, dress up like lesbians and, and we'll do uh, the 69 together. And I was like, um no. First of all, okay. how do you dress up like a lesbian? I mean, what exactly
0: <laughs> I'm, tra- I'm trying to figure that out. I'm assuming that's him wearing women's underwear.
1: Well yeah, like we could figure out what he would he would be dressing like a woman but what about me? I mean, uh, is there a lesbian costume? <laughs> I, <laughs> I'm a woman? So, um, yeah. I just had told him at that point and uh, uh, no way am I going to have a lesbian uh,
0: And it wasn't it wasn't that you didn't want to be adventurous within the intimacy and in the marriage. I suppose it was just because you thought it was a bit strange more than anything A a bit weird.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, I I get it. Some people are more into role playing, but I would just I think people who are into that, both people need to be comfortable with what they're doing. And some of this was just for me outside of what was comfortable and uh, playing like a a lesbian is definitely not comfortable for me. Sorry. One of my monitors was going off uh, turning me blue. And uh, I just had told him at that point, um, I don't want to do that because I'm not a lesbian. If I was a lesbian, um, she'd be hot uh, and uh, mm-hmm. she would not have a penis, you know, the person <laughs> that I would be with. And so, I mean, and I was a very, um I'd say sheltered Christian girl, um, you know, not the most super innocent, but I had not heard of most of this stuff okay. back then. Yeah, because, yeah. well,
0: I like a lot of us. You can be a bit naive sometimes in relation to it, but was he, was he disappointed by that? Did he seem taken back by the fact that you weren't into doing that or some of the more... Bizarre stuff that he was suggesting, you know, stepping outside the envelope. As you say, did he seem disappointed by that, or did he just take it on the chin and move on?
1: He seemed to take it in stride, but what I later learned was that this really hurt his feelings or ego, and um, and he really resented me for some of that. And and I I really wasn't, in my opinion, a um, you know, just like a cold mm. fish. Yeah. Yeah, I, well, you I don't like you don't really... you don't
0: sound like it from what you're telling me. The fact that you were willing to go along with his envelopes and his, you know, and try things out. I mean, look, that's what everybody would expect in a marriage when there's intimacy. Is mm-hmm. you know, if somebody wants to try something, you try it. If you don't like it or you don't want to consent to it anymore, well, then you just don't do it. And people have to respect each other's boundaries, and, and that's all what intimacy is all about. But when did you notice then? Obviously, after the 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 lesbian situation, or let's try to be lesbians and do a sixty nine. What was the next step of when you noticed the kind of I suppose the femininity in him and that part starting to move forward or more a little bit more?
1: Little things um, over the years, um before we had our first baby, where he would pluck his knuckle hairs, um, pluck some of the eyebrow hair, and shave on his chest just down a little bit. So, and he would say, "Oh, the hair was bothering me. It was bothering me," and um he always had some excuse uh, or you know he he did have ocd so um mm. uh, the pulling the hair from the knuckle area uh, was like a that sounds really horrible hairy knuckles but um he had like little hairs here yeah <laughs> i know I, I
0: have a few i have a few of them there little hairs there
1: <laughs> nothing like you would really notice but um so because he did have some ocd tendencies that's what i thought that was from and he mm. had um these a little tuft of hair he had a hairy chest a little bit it would stick up above the collar line here on a polo a golf shirt and um so he had had shaved that down and, and that was suspicious and i had um was getting rid of some clothes i had gained a little weight in college from you know from a size two to a size four you know yeah. and i was getting rid of some of the little uh like outfits one day and he came in and it was really kind of strange he says why are you getting rid of that I love that outfit and um I thought it was weird how he cared so much about what I was keeping and getting rid of and I was like but I never wear it so you know and I don't really see myself going back to a size two I had I had a little bit of an eating disorder in college so I was um um obviously yeah. i'm fully recovered from that um yeah, yeah. Um, so know,
0: these clothes were a bit that, bigger than you would have been so you didn't need them anymore but he was probably thinking in his own head they fit me
1: right I, I, and it didn't occur to me right at that time another sign before um he had told me anything as far as cross-dressing or was that um i was looking at our computer one day it was back when you had dial-up internet and some that. files had saved where he had looked at something, I guess. I had no idea how they got on there. I have no idea how I got on the screen where these were, but there were pictures of these really ugly women in, in really tacky lingerie. And I thought, why is he looking at these really ugly women? I'm better looking than them. I have much nicer lingerie. So I asked him about it and he said, oh, um, my friend from work sent me those. And So then I was mad at this friend from work, because this friend from work is the same one that was taking him to a strip club for lunch. And so I'm thinking the whole problem are these perverted men that are his friends at work. And I ended up working with these men, by the way, and they seem perfectly nice. So... Yeah, so
0: he was lying about the the friends from work, obviously. It was obviously his idea to do all of these things. Yeah, he was
1: lying. He was lying, which I later confirmed with one of the men, like many years later. And I, and I I suppose
0: at that point, you say this is back in the 1990s, of course. At that point, the last thing that entered your mind was even the word transgender, because it wasn't a very common word back in the 1990s. We've only really seen this explosion in the last... I suppose, 10 years. So that wasn't even in your head at the time. The worst thing that would have been in your head, we've heard of the word cross-dresser, uh, that would have been in your head maybe. you were. Th- did did you at some point say to yourself, I wonder is he dressing up in my clothes or is he wearing my clothes? What was the point you thought that was happening?
1: Um, while we were in our early marriage in the first few years, actually the first nine months, I think that word came into my vocabulary. I didn't really believe he was cross-dressing, but I didn't have a word to describe like these little elements of what I saw. So I I think the thing was shaving and, but that's not really dressing. And then one time very early in the marriage, he came home from a business trip and I was emptying the suitcase for him. I don't think he realized I was going to do that. Um, But we had a very tiny house and I needed to put this away and I put the, was putting away and I found a, a pink satin bra of mine that he had, put in there and I was I just laughed at him I mean you know I in my mind he wasn't yeah. wearing it was like, what in the world I, I, why did you bring this with you and, and he <laughs> said oh I missed you I said well I'm I'm kind of thinking like you could have lost my cute bra you know <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like cute bras and then hmm. I just had the basic stuff at the time and I said we we didn't have a lot of money I was still in college and he was yeah. new in his so I was like, well, you could have like brought my teddy bear or one of my large t-shirts. <laughs> yeah. Why well, bring my underwear,
0: weren't you? Yeah. That seems a bit odd. All right. I can think of better things. Some yeah, guys might bring a, a bottle of perfume or something, you know what I mean? Whatever it is. But if you really miss your your wife or your girlfriend. So at that it's point.
1: You, in my mind. Yeah. yeah.
0: So at that point you said to yourself, he's obviously worn this. Did you think that or was that, that was that a thought you just didn't want to get into your mind?
1: I really um, didn't think he, I didn't even think about that. I didn't think about the possibility that he wore it until, um, you know, more things happened. And eventually, prior to um, having our first baby, I did walk in on him shaving his legs one time. And this is when I, it really kind of, for the first time, this is not, I'm uncomfortable. This is not, I miss you, I have to bring your bra. This is, you know, cross-dressing type behavior I didn't fully understand it. It did feel fetishy, but I had gone somewhere and came back. He was in the restroom. The door was locked, and I needed something in that bathroom. And so I unlocked it and went in because it was taking him a while to get in. He's like, or to get up and come out. And it's like, I'm coming. He was in there shaving his legs, and he was in a state of arousal. So at this point, I knew that there was something more to this wanting to shave your legs. There was something more you know, to probably that bra and the, you know, looking yeah, at... The...
0: Essentially, he was getting off on all of this. He 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 was yeah. actually, in, it was a sexual fetish that he was involved in.
1: Yeah. So yeah. even though I didn't spend a whole lot of time thinking about what he did, it, it was causing some issues in the marriage, like, um, you know, where I didn't want to sleep in the same room when he shaved his legs or, you know, so obviously there wouldn't be... And anything. were
0: you arguing much? I mean, how were you getting on at that point? Because this was all starting to evolve over, it seems over a long period of time, I mean, were you arguing much or, you know, was there a lot of, because for you, this is, you know, you had married a man and there was great disappointment from your point of view, I imagine, because you thought you married this kind of masculine man, not an alpha male as such, but a masculine man. And all of a sudden you were watching this man before your very eyes, you know, becoming a woman essentially or becoming feminine. Was that creating problems within the marriage? or were you arguing much or...
1: Not in the beginning, there was, um, I think there was this little bit of tension, but I didn't fully understand it. I didn't feel like, even though I would say to my friend, like, I think he's cross-dressing, that felt like too big of a word to describe what I had witnessed. You know, yeah. maybe there was a little uh, shaving or a little, like, maybe he played with fingernails or something, and I found out about it, and I was very turned off. Yeah, But he really seemed like he loved me. We had a very good um, early Uh, relationship, dating and early marriage, where uh, we just had a really good time together. We had um, our own inside jokes and uh, kind of our own language together. And I just don't know of many couples who got along so well as we did in the beginning. In fact, if I ever was getting stressed out and upset he was very good at calming me down everyone thought he was really great with me we had a lot of shared interests which i didn't think included my clothes but you know (laughs) gardening we um we both enjoyed like we went to painting classes together we just were having a really great time and seemed to be on the same page about so many things and
0: um so i can i can see where you're at now because you had this what would be perceived as a wonderful marriage and a perfect marriage, to some degree, you know, where both of you were playing the proper roles of being husband and wife, and he was supportive and everything else. So the last thing you wanted was for that to change. So for, I suppose there's an element sometimes of denial when you get to that point. You kind of I need to ignore that. I need to ignore that, or try your best to ignore it. But it becomes it gets to a point where it becomes impossible to ignore. And where was that point? I mean, did he? Did you catch him actually dressing up at some point then?
1: Um, Not until really late in our marriage where we had already decided we were divorcing. Did I ever see him fully cross-dressed? But right after the birth of my first son was when he admitted that this like wanting to dress up. Um, where he kind of pushed it at Halloween. I had noticed like around Halloween time every year was when he kind of pushed the boundaries and we still were not acknowledging that this was cross-dressing, but our first baby was about three months old um, around Halloween time. My son was in the hospital with a severe illness and nearly died. And um, I'm in there with my baby with my then husband hardly coming to see me and the baby and he comes up there one night to to talk to me and tells me and he has to tell me something of course it's nearly halloween and he says well you know that um dressing up stuff you know i've done that in the past and i i am you know i did it in high school and you know i i like cross-dressing so he he did finally admit That he did have this issue with cross-dressing and this was um Mm -hmm. so four years into the marriage at this point after the birth of our first baby and i saw a little more than four years and then i said okay we you know we'll go to counseling so we went to counseling and i thought
0: oh we seem to have lost you there for a second are you there
1: cross-dressing oh yeah. oh yeah no you're okay yeah. but this- don't wait but that just if froze for a me- second
0: No, yeah, it's okay let's froze for a second there we can we can edit that out anyway yeah sorry so you you went to counseling and did 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 you feel when you're at the counseling that he was taking it seriously or do you think he was just gone because you wanted him to go um he actually found the
1: counselor Himself. And so I thought this was we were participating and trying to save our marriage from this something that really was um you know a threat to our marriage, yeah, of to our intimacy. So he went there before me. I didn't know that until I was in our first appointment together, and she told me that I was uh closed-minded because I wasn't on board with the cross-dressing. Uh, so it was your that, so
0: it was your fault in other words for not accepting it.
1: Yeah, I'm the one with the problem here and she told me I was a lesbian that uh, I must be a lesbian because I fell in love with this man who had a feminine other side to him and married him so that makes me a lesbian. So wow. she also did yeah, she also did say in that appointment that my husband wouldn't know if he was a man or a woman for 3 months. And I had never heard of anything like this or this kind of timeline for uh becoming a woman. And he never had said anything like that to me. So I asked him, is this true? Are you do you want to be a woman? You know, this is like Jerry Springer level stuff. This is this is not, mm. you know, common at all. This is there was no Bruce Jenner, Caitlin Jenner then. And uh he says no. She's putting words in my mouth. I've never said that. And I, you know, I asked him yeah, on more than one occasion around that time, and he denied wanting to be a woman. So he obviously, I but he obviously
0: didn't. spoke to her because I'm assuming, like in counseling, you get to talk to the counselor individually first. So he obviously had said something to her as well that kind of put all that into her head because it seems strange that she would just come out with that.
1: Well, so he had seen her before. I don't yeah. know what was said in that appointment, but I believed him. Uh, that was a common theme in the a marriage, a mistake that I would believe whatever he said. Uh, I was i was, was just- gonna
0: say that. I mean, you, I suppose to some degree, I'm certainly not disrespecting you, were naive because at that stage, you know, you were still believing, even though he had told you so many lies, um, you were still believing him to some degree. You trusted him. Or you thought that he sure. could make things better. Yeah, because you wanted your marriage to last, I suppose.
1: Yeah, I wanted to believe him. In fact, at the end of the marriage, so, you know, many years later, I would finally go to my own counselor who was um, experienced with men who deceived their husbands or men who deceived their wives, I mean and i uh, was experienced with domestic violence and having experience with men who lie a lot like oh this is the last time it's the last time <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know never do it yeah. again kind of thing that was similar to what i was experiencing except it wasn't domestic violence Um, we had a little bit of uh, altercations but we didn't have like a a huge problem with violence in our marriage so but yeah, it was it more verbal
0: uh, than anything else i i imagine more verbal than anything else but in yeah. relation to when you when it was confirmed or at what point did he confirm to you well you know yeah i do feel like a woman or i want to be a woman or you know oh, that's what i really want what what was the point when he confirmed that
1: he did not confirm it to me until i found out for myself through finding messages between him and another woman that he met online so this was at the like 14 year mark of our marriage so Mm. after he saw that counselor that um said those things to me uh, she wrote him a letter for him to transition at that point at this. So this is like four years in. So 11 for 11 years, he had taken that letter and had been able to get hormones and he was taking the hormones behind my back. And, um, and I didn't know about it. I didn't and notice, you notice, notice
0: changes. the changes to, when he was taking female hormones. I imagine there were yeah. physical changes, you know, and um, did you start to notice them changes?
1: I noticed things. Um, but I didn't know it was to do with the hormones because I didn't know he's taking it. He took OCD medication. So when he developed little breast buds, uh, I was like, what's going on? We need to see a doctor. And he says, oh, it's it's the OCD medication. I'll just stop taking them. But he continued to have this little bit of breast development, never, um, not as much as he would later whenever he um, took more of the hormones and took them consistently. But i had no idea he was taking them even some of the time and not as large of a dose as he would later take when he decided to transition but i i found out so 11 years later that he had been deceiving me this whole time and he met this woman online who yeah, she was into sisification I didn't even know there was a word like that for this at the time, but he would get so many points. It's like a game. There's so many points for him if he did certain element of cross-dressing, like painting his fingernails and toenails. So that would be two points. Wearing girls' panties or women's panties. They always said girls in their messages, yeah. even though these are adults. Uh, wearing... Uh, you know, some element of cross-dressing, this was more points, uh, going out in public with some element of cross-dressing, more points, and then there would be a punishment if he didn't uh, follow her directions. So this was, there's a lot of weird fantasy stuff that was just really shocking me. You know, they would talk about different uh, fantasy sex stuff they would want to do, and, and he mentioned wanted to be um, effed like a girl. Wow. So uh, this was, For me, the end. This is the revelations came when I discovered it. And then when he came to talk to me, I had filed for a divorce at this point. Uh, When I found that, I immediately filed. And he came to talk to me and convinced me to not leave him. Um, It it took some time, but I did eventually leave him again. I I believed him. How could could
0: you, when you initially filed, (laughs) sorry for interrupting, but when you initially filed for divorce and he begged you not to do it, and he wanted you... I mean, in your own mind, did you honestly believe when, when you kind of retracted that or, you know, gave him the second chance or whatever it was, that you could have supported anything like that? Because to me, you seem like a very conservative person. Um, I don't know how you could even try and support, you know, this idea and the language he was using with that other girl and the revelations you had found out. Or, I mean, how could you have supported that? I mean, what part in your head was thinking, maybe, I can, maybe we can resolve this, maybe I can support him. Was that actually going yeah. through your head?
1: I wasn't going to accept any of that. Uh, you're right. I'm very Christian conservative, um, but I was committed to my marriage, and I still thought, even though I was really turned off by all these things that he did, um, and there was going to be trust. I thought we could rebuild the trust, and that not only save the marriage, but save him from this, you know, fate of um, going through transition which i didn't even fully understand at the time and and leading this rather seedy lifestyle i didn't want my kids drug into that and i really believe like we are christian we met in church and i really believe like with the right um health mm-hmm. and we did um, reach out to a couple Christian ministries. So there, there really wasn't much at that time, but there were two Christian ministries run by men, and one in Canada, one in the United States, who were both uh, what we call detransitioners now. And they both talked to my then husband about his cross dressing and you know about the marriage and uh you know kind of explain like there might always be this temptation you know, yeah. to cross-dress and how to handle it but you know ultimately he was still talking to the other woman and that was an influence and you know, feeding that fantasy so um uh, mm. he was obviously he was obviously part
0: of a community of people and and, and yeah. i don't know i don't know was he was he, he was sharing it with his male friends that he hung out with I mean, did they know about this? Did, did, did there anybody else like, I mean, was this fairly public at this stage? Did other people know, or was it just you?
1: So no, and not to my knowledge, he did have a um, high school friend who I would later learn didn't know these things. And this guy used to hang out at our house playing video games until late at night and I'd be asleep. And they would go outside and talk for a long time. That relationship, I will say, did kind of bother me. The guy um, seemed straight mm-hmm. to me. He ended up getting married. Um, but uh, there was just in my, you know, I have to admit, I went and looked out the window sometimes when I woke up to see, like, are, are they making out? Like, what is going on? <laughs> well, Why but, see, nothing
0: outside? would surprise you at that stage of the marriage, I, I think, imagine. Yeah, <laughs> I
1: started to have some suspicions about them, but um, nothing ever confirmed. Um, but that's the one friend I know that knew about it uh, all the years, but I'm sure he thought it was over yeah, because we got married. And I don't think he was knowing of our marriage problems until we did split up. And, you know, so no, none of our, like, none of his current friends or work people or anything knew about this whole cross-dressing and, and wish. And to how transition. were your kids?
0: I mean, did your kids notice that? Well, I don't know how old your oldest child was at that stage. How old would your oldest child have been? at that stage where you were giving him the second chance. If you go back to the first time you filed for divorce, how old was the first child?
1: So he was 10. um, Okay. And the reason that my ex really wanted me to give him another chance was because I was living in Ohio, a different state in the United States from where my residency originally was, which was Texas where I live now. And the laws were different in Ohio he would have had to pay me spousal support for life unless i remarried so he wanted to move me to Texas where at the time i wouldn't have got any child support so he convinced me that he was going to change he was going to be the man that god ordained him to be and you know he was he, he did cut his hair that he had grown out and uh, took his earrings out that he got um and you know he committed to this like whole list of things that I said, you'll have to do to make me comfortable so that I'll want to stay. He committed to that, but it was all just a lie. I and mean, as soon as we got back to Texas, he was going, uh, lying about where he was going, coming home like at two in the morning, missing the kid's birthdays because he was out partying with his uh, transgender friends. So, I mean, I didn't even, that was a did new you, did you
0: get? Did you get to meet any of his transgender friends? Did he ever bring one home to introduce you to any of these people?
1: So, yes, I met them. Um, mm. It was because they would come to the house to pick him up. Wow. And um, that's when I would find, like, like, one had a criminal background. And it, it just didn't want, actually, more than one. And I didn't want my kids around these people. Being exposed you know?
0: to that. No, you didn't want your kids exposed to all of this. Yeah. yeah. I so, yeah, he,
1: and one time um, he had a big wild party at my house with a bunch of them, a bunch of men dressed as women. And uh, I came home and had to clean up a bunch of mess. There was some disgusting stuff in my bed. There my my oh. my um, sheets were missing from my bed. I mean I'm completely surprised missed.
0: you're still with him at this stage. I mean if you know I'm, I mean I'm, I'm assuming oh. that was the straw that broke the camel's back.
1: So by the, at this point, um, he had I had found hormones in my house that he had hid. I had brought them to a therapist that we were going to together at that time, a different one and um when i confronted him in the therapist's office he said well this is who i am and so he was okay with divorcing me we still lived together for a little while and that's when i started seeing these um men dressed as women coming by the house and that is when i saw him for the first time fully cross-dressed i happened to we were sharing the house together while um and the initial process of the divorce was going through i couldn't afford to move so i was just there with him but he was sleeping somewhere else a lot of the time, or I was going to my parents' um, place a lot of the time. So we were kind of just crossing. We weren't really staying there together all the time. Yep. And one day I came home to um, pack up and, and, and leave town to go see my parents. And I uh, didn't have my kids with me that day because they were already with my grandparents or my parents. And he came in all cross-dressed and um with and was went in and started trying to fix his hair he's doing a really horrible job of it that's the first time that i saw him that way and it was really for me i would say traumatizing i uh, really a reality
0: yeah of course
1: looked like a freak show it was very
0: i suppose you see your whole life flashing before you and you think have i just wasted you know 14 or 15 years of my life uh, with the yeah. exception of obviously your children, who you'll never re- regret, but you, you kind of regret that wasted in your life, I suppose. But
1: just yeah, not just seeing the reality of it was really yeah. shocking. I actually ran out of the house wow. uh, crying, and he chased imagine. me like, "Come back, talk to me," you know. And I didn't want to. It was just no. too. No, at this point, really real.
0: I mean, it's like I you talk about. I mean, you use the word trans widow. And I suppose that's what it is. It's the death of your marriage. It's the death of your relationship. And it's the death of a person that you knew that's not really that person anymore. And the, So it is a grieving process too, isn't
1: it? Um, yeah, because I described to you earlier, this was a person who we had this great um, relationship. But it might have uh, you know changed over time to where I didn't trust him as much or there was resentments and the undercurrent of uh, something going on I didn't understand. But we had this um camaraderie that a lot of you know Mm -hmm. couples may not ever have we we shared so many things that we enjoyed like the holidays together we created these traditions together and um so i just you know this was like a best friend or soulmate and there's it's over you know there's this huge lie and it's very disillusioning and uh, to think that you can be deceived on this level, maybe in some ways willfully deceived, it's, it's very disorienting. And to know like professionals in the medical field and the psychiatric field, like the one doctor who I actually met, the, the therapist, she knew I wasn't on board with this. She knew I didn't understand this and that he wanted, you know, I didn't know the truth that he, of any of this, that he got a letter so to me it felt really cruel that this Mm -hmm. could happen that my state that i lived in changed his identity on his documents
0: so he was now officially a woman he was now officially a woman
1: yeah so by the time we even divorce i'm going to court with a man who has a female name and his his uh sex marker on his identification says female It's which is a total fiction anyway but everyone's referring to him as miss and ma'am and she and her and i'm i'm over here going like i had three kids with this person you know which yeah. i know sounds crazy considering and what was what he referring
0: what they were referring to him as your children's mother huh where they actually where they referring when you went through the divorce and obviously that was a long drawn out process was he be referred to as the children's mother or father?
1: Father, even okay. in court, um, the argument was for um, parental rights, and um, I'm not sure that his lawyers called him father. <laughs> yeah, but they they did actually say the father to me. Uh, okay, because they asked me like, who's the father? And which was just like, they were playing a game with me. I'm like, uh, well, he is, you know, and they wanted me to use the female pronouns in court and refer to him to with his new female name in court. He wouldn't do it if I would. And there was this like asking the, the judge every day to make me do that or hold me in contempt. And uh, fortunately, the judge at that time did not go along with that. It would be different today. It would be different today. Oh, it today. would be
0: different today. You'd you you'd, you'd find yeah. yourself probably in jail for contempt if you didn't use those pronouns. And what about your children, by the way? Because obviously they were quite young. Um, and he obviously wanted access to the children as the father of the children, or mother maybe that he wanted to be. I mean, were they then, I mean, how do they react, their dad suddenly becoming a woman with a different name? Because they were quite young and impressionable. I mean... Was was it upsetting for them or did they take it fairly well or
1: So well, they all looked at it in different ways. It was really upsetting for all of them. But one child in particular was kind of flippant. She was like, Oh, I could I could see that. Um he's trying to be like you, mommy's trying to look like you, he's trying to act like you. So she was pretty flippant. It wasn't really hitting her emotionally right off. But then my my two boys, especially my older one, had a really hard time in the beginning with it. And um, my mm. oldest still does not even talk to him. So, because yeah. it was just so extremely hurtful, they were really quite close. traumatic, and, isn't
0: it? It's traumatic for children. Yeah. Because they're, yeah, again, like you it, losing it, it, a husband, they're losing a father. Well, they feel they're losing a father maybe, you know, because they see this woman now, uh, or yeah. certainly somebody who believes he's a woman. Um, And for you, that must have been a really, really difficult time because your kids, I'm assuming, had to use the pronouns, too, or were being told to use these pronouns.
1: They were mandated into court-ordered therapy by the court, and um, the therapist coached them on how to address their father with the different pronouns, told them they could no longer call their father dad, and he had this new girlfriend that he met locally. And and so the person online was, um, you know, not the, the item anymore. And this new girlfriend was an activist. She was a female to male transsexual. And she threatened my kids and told them if they, you know, called their father, dad, or mislaunch the pronoun, they would get a spanking. And so I, my ex really wasn't much of a spanker um, or disciplinarian in any regard, that this person came in and was just very um, abusive to my kids, mm. even threatened to kill my kids at one point. So wow. this affected the whole custody arrangement uh, eventually because I had to go back to court over this. And so I think only one kid got a spanking. Uh, it was the same one that she always was mean to, mainly one kid that she was most mostly directing her abusive stuff to. But just being threatened that if you mislaunch a pronoun, you're going to be in some kind of trouble is just awful because this was their dad. and Did they it concern always you? I mean...
0: Dad. I mean, when you've got young, impressionable children who are like sponges, essentially, uh, and we talk about when we're talking about transgenderism and gender identity, etc., across the world at the moment, we also talk about the social contagion. And for children, that social contagion is even more effective because, of course, their minds are so vulnerable and their minds are so impressionable. But did it concern you that your children were in the custody sometimes with access to a man who now thinks he's a woman who's with a woman who now thinks he's a man, Uh, which is completely confusing for children? I can only imagine how confusing that is for a child's mind. Did that concern you?
1: My main concern was the people that he was exposing them to and some of the stuff that he was exposing them to at their house, sex stuff, like his uh, restraints because he was into being um, dominated. So the restraints were on his bed at all times where the kids could see them and some of the sex toys left out. And uh, I was also concerned that he would take them you know, to doctors and therapists that he went to instead of ones that were approved by both of us or court approved at one point. And uh, even the court approved one was pretty horrible because she ignored abuse and neglect on his part and didn't report it. And she's a mandated reporter. But instead of reporting it, the, the abuse continued. I didn't know about it. She didn't even tell me. So, um unfortunately, the kids mm-hmm. continued in a bad situation because of that. And um, you know, those were my concerns that they would those would be the people, the professionals who would be influential. as we know now that is the, the professionals who are the ones who are convincing people they're born in the wrong body. So I was really concerned about that that you know, he would have them.
0: Did you have any um, say because I don't know whether the way the American system, I think Texas is probably a reasonably conservative state. Well, we've seen that more recently. It isn't. Well, no, not really. What well, you would imagine it is, wouldn't you? From what we it hear is, on this side,
1: we have a good advertising program that says that we are, but we are not. Um, yeah, so the um, we had to agree on therapists in our court order, and nobody. Did you have a? Did you, did you have
0: a choice? Sorry for interrupting, but did you have a choice in you know what the therapist could say to your children to some degree? In other words, you know, I don't know if I would want my children firstly exposed to that. I would probably fight that. But uh, I would—I want my children being forced to use pronouns they may not want to have used because to them, that's their dad. You know, I mean, I don't think... Did you have a choice, any choice whatsoever in any of that?
1: No, I had no choice. And am I um, talking to them? You know, you're. there's an order that you cannot be critical of your ex. That's so... Obviously, we have a huge disagreement here, you know, mm-hmm. morally and just like a whole different worldview. So if I'm disagreeing with him, like at what at what point does that ca- uh, count as speaking ill of him? Because you're, you're under an order that you can't speak ill of your spouse. Now, actually, you know, that happened on both sides. He spoke ill of me. I spoke ill of him. Uh, so nobody was following that order to the T. But, but I was trying not to hurt the kids with saying things critically of their dad mm-hmm. i tried to say like your dad loves you even if they were saying you know that the dad doesn't love them i tried to let them know like hey you know he he does try to yeah. see you and that should count for something because he did yeah. usually exercise his visitation right um, and okay. so to me that says you know something I, I i just tried to make the kids believe they were loved because they they wanted to believe Uh, that their dad didn't love them. And I know that he didn't prioritize them correctly and that that really hurt and felt like he didn't love them. And I don't know if he, you know, just can't love the way other people love because he has this issue and it's, you know, prioritized higher than anything else. But I, I didn't want my kids to have this internal dialogue with themselves that They weren't loved by their father because that's extremely hurtful. So, you know, it it was very hard for them. There were years of kids falling asleep at night crying and we really couldn't get accurate you know, or good help for them because the court had to say where we could get our counseling until I got that changed. um, After a few years, I did get that changed because of problems we were having with that counselor and with him. And at that point, um, All the kids are able to get some therapy that was more helpful, except I had my oldest didn't get too much help because he was almost out of the house at that point, and he was in his own little period of rebellion, and so I feel like he missed out on some of the better counseling we got. It, It was very hard for any of them to trust counselors after all of what they had been through with the other counselor and their dad, but... Some counselors are okay. Some counselors really want to help uh, children to navigate grief. But but one really experience that we did have, even with a couple of the good counselors, right away, they're like, well, can you understand how your dad feels? Like, you know, uh, I don't think that... That's mm. what the kids were looking for, no. to try to understand. Um, and nor are they ever gonna understand it. And I have only one child that's had children of his own so far. And that has just made it even harder to understand. Uh, course, as an yeah. adult with children, he now says like, how could my dad do this? How could my dad do this to his children? I could never do this to my son. Uh, and it makes them think of all the, you know, things that they could have shared or that they did share prior to all this. Do they appreciate
0: affect- your your kids, I'm sure, appreciate what you went through as well now because obviously as they got older, they had a better understanding of how that upset you and how you fought, I suppose, to keep the family together, because you probably did more than most. When I listen back to what we've been talking about for the last 40 minutes, the fact that you gave him so many chances, you know, I suppose not to change because it looked like invariably he was never going to change, but you gave him so many chances to keep the marriage together, what seemed to be a really good marriage and a good partnership uh, together, you know, for the sake of the family. And, and he just didn't take that. He didn't take that olive branch at any stage. He just lied to you constantly. So where where are you now? Your, your kids are older. They're obviously... Uh, much older now um, you've remarried again and uh, I'm happy I I hope as well but you are now campaigning for other women like you is there many women and indeed probably men as well because you've got the the opposite problem too you've got you know women who trans to men as well is, is there many people you know in that situation I mean is the percentage high is it low is it just a small amount of people and I know you campaign for what they call trans widows is there many people in that and are you part of a community now
1: so we're a growing community. We're finding each other. A lot of women who are going through this in the past um weren't able to be open about it. They're still not able to be open about it because uh, like you mentioned, order earlier, we may be under court orders. Um, so mm-hmm. and there's this potential of being dragged back in court for any anything like uh yeah. slander, libel, whatever. So and also just things relating to your kid there's there's potential for punishment and a lot of these men are um narcissistic so they they want to keep hurting you long after you're divorced from them so you know there's there's several of us i don't know what the percent is there uh, there's a lot in the UK who are more openly um, coming out and speaking about this, maybe not using their real names and stuff online, but they're speaking of this and sharing their stories. And here in the US, we're having more of them as well. And we're, we're finding each other so we can talk. I'm starting a support group for, for women who've experienced this. I used to be part of a support group for women whose husbands cross-dressed many years ago. Um, I never thought it would you know, I would be one of the few women in that group. I think at a total of three, yeah. um, whose husbands transitioned. It it just was extremely rare. But now, I don't why know why. Do you, why do you
0: think we look at it differently? Well, I don't, but some people do. Like you, you've mentioned in the past that people would turn around to you and say, "Well, is your ex-husband happy now?" Whereas, if that was a husband who cheated on you and went off with a younger woman, for example, they wouldn't say that. You know, they they wouldn't say anything nice about him at all. Actually. So why do you think, and the same when we talked about some of the celebrities more recently, we talked on this show and you probably wouldn't be familiar with Philip Schofield, who is a national celebrity on television after whatever, 26, 27 years of marriage, decides or tells the world that he's gay. And, you know, and he's kind of leaving his wife and children and basically lived alive for 26 years. And yet there's this outpouring of sympathy for him and no sympathy for the wife who's just been abandoned. Um, do you believe there's a different attitude because of, there's some sort of virtue-signaling attitudes that, oh, he's a trans man or a trans woman now, and, oh, I wish him the best of luck and happiness, whereas if he had dumped you for a younger woman, nobody would have any sympathy for him. Nobody would wish him happiness. Is that the kind of attitude? Uh,
1: that is the attitude, and the reason for that is our kindness is being weaponized against us and uh, directly against the nuclear family and marriage and children. And so we really need to you know, take every thought captive. Uh, as a Christian, uh, that's what the Bible teaches. And I would say, let's take it captive. Is this really a woman? Is this really um, something we should be accepting and celebrating? What's really happening here? I hear this every time I talk about this, you know, what happened to my kids and me. They'll, someone will say, someone who's like-minded will say, wow, I really, never even thought about it from that perspective. And I think we got to do a better job about uh, entertaining all the perspectives and and sides of a story and not just uh, say, oh, well, you didn't support your spouse in their transition. You must have been a bigot. You probably drove them there. And it's a good thing that he divorced you because you're just an awful human being for not loving him for who he is. no. Um, We need to see the other side of that. There was deception. There was a willingness for me to love him for many years, despite having this uh, cross-dressing temptation that I would have to put out of my mind. But Mm -hmm. people just want to say I was preventing him from being who he truly is. That's not the case. He is not truly a woman. So we need to really think about this. But
0: you're in the majority because... Now, I don't know, and I've spoken to many women over the years uh, on both the radio show and the podcast, and they'd come on the air and they'd tell me, and I'd say a simple question What would you do if you caught your husband dressing up? He'd be out the door, right? So the majority of women wouldn't accept that. The majority of women wouldn't support a man walking around the house in their clothes you know, acting like a woman in a marriage and wanting to be a woman in a marriage. So why do they believe that you were wrong not to support them? Well, it's only a handful or a minority of people who who tend to be the, the most divisive people in the world uh, that make you feel like that. Because most people, I, I, I imagine most people listening today will back you up 100%. Yeah, I mean,
1: even people in the LGBT community usually agree with me that this is deception and not something that should have been foisted on me after marriage. That this should have been discussed before marriage. And uh, some people say that, that society made him uh, marry me and pretend to be something he's no, I don't not. Buy that. Yeah me either this this was not a person who was hiding another identity this is a person who was hiding a fetish and people need to understand that and the whole identity piece is just a a cover story for the fetish i mean if you're a man who fancies him when he fancies himself as a as a female gets aroused this is a nice cover story wow i can cross dress full time and i can get myself a pair of boobs you know and and really go to town you know the 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 uh, really uh, just uh, elevating the quality of their wank session, I guess. But this is really not what it's being advertised as. It's a marketing scheme to get people to transition and and spend money on pharmaceuticals and surgeries and and to break down the family and to to destroy marriage. Just look at the carnage. I mean, I know I'm here in one piece and I've survived, but there's a lot of women... Yeah, you know, that are really hurting because of this. They're well. I mean, you survived,
0: women- but it was a traumatic twenty years of your life. But you, but you have survived, and thankfully, you're married yeah. again and happy. But I mean, it's it's a part of life you certainly wouldn't want to go through again, or wouldn't wish on anybody else to go through. Because I'm sure if you can think of every moment that we've spoken about today, they were all traumatic moments in your life. I mean, that's not downplay it. I mean, to walk in and catch your husband shaving and being aroused by it, to you know walk home and find a load of people who are trans in your house having a party and sex toys everywhere. I mean, you can't downplay stuff like that. I mean, that's just traumatic. Right, and and it is being
1: downplayed. I, I, there's just been this. Radical marketing scheme to get us to accept all types of things that really we don't have to accept. And I would just tell people that you know, we don't have to accept everything. And the labels that come with not accepting it—it it doesn't mean you're a bigot or a turf. You're,
0: you're a turf. Is that what they call you? A turf.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm not even a feminist. I'm a conservative Christian. I, I mean, I do believe that women deserve certain rights. Obviously, yeah. But this is, um, you know This is not a case of someone who's a radicalized feminist. I just believe, like, in reality, and uh, that women uh, have a say in, in things in our lives, whether they want to work or not. And, yeah. But you know. And we should be able to vote, obviously, and use the bathroom without men being in there. And uh, I believe in biological reality because um, if we unanchor ourselves from the truth, then you can't have liberty or justice at all. I mean, I mean well, when, is- we, when we look at what has
0: happened, you know, you know, 110 years ago now, you know, women got the right to vote. Um, you know, the suffragettes were out there uh, in Britain, of course, and. You know, the w- women, I suppose, first, they got rights. And then in the 1970s, of course, we had equal pay rights to make sure women were paid the same amount of money. Um, women, um, you know, got their uh, had their own sports, because if you go back a long time, go back 50, 60 years ago, it was primarily men in sports. Now we have women in sports. But that's all been eroded again. But here's the thing. It's been eroded as well by women, because you have women supporting trans women, or biological men who are out there supporting them, eroding their own rights that they fought for for hundreds of years, which just blows my mind.
1: Yeah, it it's crazy. I can't believe the women who are propping up these men who dress as women and access female spaces and act like these are the reasonable transsexuals that we should all, you know, these are the ones to accept. They're not the ones, these are not the weird ones. Like there's no such thing as a reasonable a transsexual, someone who would cut off their um, private parts and have them inverted or have their breast cut off or, you know, or have an adedictomy surgery. This is not a a, a rational human being and and we're being told to listen to these so-called reasonable transsexuals that they, that they exist and these are the safe ones that women should accept in their restrooms and locker rooms and in their female organizations and, and I completely reject that and I see that there are women who are propping them up like on their podcast or and and and, and, and that's politics, what I'm saying it's, it's women that are
0: doing it which blows my mind that it's it's women that are fighting for their cause and and these really? same people are eroding those same women's rights, which doesn't make any sense to me, particularly in America at the moment. And we're now seeing it across Europe and here here in Ireland as well. You've got, you know, biological men in women's sports. Riley Gaines, of course, has spoken out about that on numerous occasions, about, you know, this uh, Leah Thomas walking in naked into a women's changing room, or but certainly with his penis hanging out, as she suggested. I mean, that would have never been acceptable going back 15 years ago. You know, because, I mean, maybe we don't know. Some of those women may have been sexually assaulted in their day. They may be, you know, feeling some trauma over that. And then this guy walks in with his penis hanging out in the middle of a dressing room, and we defend the guy because we say, no, it's okay, because he's a woman. And damn you for not giving him the right to walk in with his penis hanging out.
1: Right. I mean, women have a right to go into our female spaces without having to be faced with a penis. Uh, You know, um, I I personally like penises, but I don't want to see anybody else's penis besides my husband and only whenever I care to see it. Women do not need to have penises flashed in their faces. And and girls shouldn't be told like, you've got to get used to a penis being, you know, seeing a penis in your ladies room and ladies locker rooms or wherever, or you're some type of a hateful bigot. This is ridiculous. This is uh, the epitome of male privilege that this is being, that we're being told this and I'm not even a a feminist, but but I can recognize that. It's disgusting. It is erasing women's protections and rights for imaginary rights of men who want to dress up as women. It's completely not okay, and we need to reject this in America, but we're quickly going the route of the UK, Canada, and Australia. We're about to um, vote and in the united states on a resolution called hr 15 which will change the definition of sex in our laws to gender identity so that anybody could just identify as the opposite sex and you have have all these protections. And so if you've mislead a pronoun, that could be hate speech and and you could be fined or even go to jail. And what about the, uh,
0: where's the, I mean, we've had that problem here in Ireland. We've new legislation going in before the end of the year. It's called the hate speech legislation. And people are concerned that you won't be able to misgender or whatever it happens to be. But when, when it comes to the United States, you've got the first amendment. Where's your first amendment right? To to you know to speak your mind to say what you want to say where is that because America we always looked at as this icon of having wonderful free speech so where's that gone?
1: well this movement is going to destroy any rights that you had to free speech and any rights to conscience and uh, such as a doctor who doesn't want to perform procedures on children to um ch- to to change their uh, presentation of sex so we're not going to have First Amendment rights. This chips away. I mean, this whole gender movement is at odds with everybody else's rights. There's just it just as you've seen in Australia and elsewhere, it's not just free speech. It's 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 your religion, it's conscience, it's association. It, all of your it's not just women's rights, it's everyone's rights, parental rights. You don't want mm. your kid to transition. You think they're too young to make this kind of a decision because you know you're a reasonable and protective parent. But the state has decided and and, and in, in our country, the state has even Made position statements in its National Institutes of Health that that kids need to be transitioned. So, the, so the, unless you whole, affirm their
0: gender, the child will be taken off you. I mean, that's what right. they're in that's Canada.
1: Trajectory, you will yep. lose your rights. You you are not acceptable. When I was in court fighting for my kids' custody because he sued me for full custody, I was asked, and this was this was 13 years ago. I was asked, how can I co-parent as a conservative Christian? How can I co-parent with this wonderful trans woman? So that's where it's going. You are a Christian. You're a conservative. You cannot parent. You cannot co-parent with the transsexual. You cannot parent the kid who thinks they want to be the opposite sex. You cannot be a foster parent. We already have this in the United States. In our in our institutions for foster care and our uh, child protective services, if you will not affirm that kid, that's in the foster care who desperately needs needs help. Then you are going to not be able to be the foster parent. So they're they're mm-hmm. not allowing kids to already be exposed to Christian families in, in these settings who who may actually be able to really help them, you know, out of these delusions they're experiencing. Yep. It maybe might actually help them to um, recognize trauma and get help with trauma they've experienced possibly in the foster care system.
0: Well, when they but when, they, when of, they're encouraging children to do this, it's called child affirming care. Uh, and I I don't buy that it's child affirming care sometimes. I find it quite damaging to children. And we've spoken to one psychologist here in Ireland who had written a book about the fact that when she was, you know, 14 years of age, many, many years ago, she was a bit of a tomboy, as we would have called it in those days. And she wanted to be one of the guys. She plays guys' sports, she played everything else. And by the time she was 20, she embraced her femininity again. And so the problem is if that had to be now, she said, somebody would have convinced me that I was a man and I may have transitioned or would have been encouraged to transition. She said, we're not allowing children to experience life and to go through that confusion that they naturally went through and that many kids go through at that age in their life, that they want to be like their big brother or they want to be like the guys in the class. You know, if you're a young girl, you want to be a bit of a tomboy. Or if you're a guy, you might be a little bit effeminate. I mean, that's no harm. You can do all those things. If you're a guy, you can play with Barbie dolls. If you're a girl, you You know, you can play with trucks if you want to, you know, but that doesn't necessarily mean you're a woman or a man. And that's essentially what they're telling children nowadays, that if you want to play with all these things to do all these things, well, then you must be the opposite gender. So listen, we'll flip you over there and we'll change your gender. And that's the encouragement. But look, I I know in America, in many states now, they're banning uh, puberty blockers uh, under the age of 18 and they're banning surgery under the age of 18. Of course, Florida was the first state to do it. Does that give you some hope?
1: Yes, um, you know, more states. I think around sixteen states have introduced legislation, maybe nineteen in in the United States. So we're, you know, that is changing. I hope the trajectory is that most states will do it. And uh, unfortunately, our federal government is fully on board with this right now. And going back many years, building the um, building the case for it in our National Institutes of Health. So it's going to take time to reverse this, but i hope the trend is changing that this will be something that we'll look at like lobotomies at one point you know at one point lobotomies were given for irritable bowel syndrome in the united in in the united states this is considered state-of-the-art care and uh hopefully we will you know we will turn Mm -hmm. the clock back on this because this is is terrible to do to anybody i i know we're not all having that conversation yet some feminists are saying it i'm saying it but no sex change is, is, should be happening at all. It shouldn't be happening in law. It shouldn't be happening in people's bodies. I, I I don't believe that is, um, something that should be happening. And people like, oh, you don't believe in bodily autonomy. I'm like, well, tell me what that is because, you know, you don't have control over your body. You, no. you just do not you cannot stop it from getting sick you cannot stop your heart from beating unless you like kill yourself but there's a lot of things where, i mean some people don't even have control of their bowels so um you just really what is this bodily autonomy thing you're talking about There's some things you do you have control
0: over and some things you just don't have control over unfortunately
1: yeah like you're yeah. born male or female and to be trying to change this just you know, watch one of the surgeries and see what they're doing this is this I is have, not
0: and it's vile to watch it's it's, it's disturbing and
1: it, it, it's horrible that it, it's it's horrible that they are doing this it's unethical to do this to people uh, i think that i find know, it I bizarre
0: i mean maybe maybe that's them. just me i mean but but if i went along to a doctor tomorrow to any medical doctor and said you know i want to identify as being disabled can you remove my leg for me i would like to think the doctor would absolutely say absolutely not you know i couldn't do that as a medic that would go against all my ethics But yet, I can go to a doctor tomorrow and say, I want to be a woman, can you just remove my penis, please? And he'll happily do it and charge me, I don't know, 30,000 euro to do it. I find that the strangest thing in the world without... You know, any amount of counselling, which was would have been the case many years ago, Ireland was the first country in Europe, by the way, to have what they call the Gender Recognition Bill, which means that you don't have to go through all of that, that stuff that you would have had to go years ago by going to counselling and psychologists and psychiatrists. You can you can affirm your own gender. You can have your birth cert changed uh, the following day or thereabouts. Anyway, you just have to make an application, depends on how the government takes to do that for you. And you can change your gender by self-recognition or self-identification. And we were the first country in Europe to do that. And we seem so proud of it for some reason. Now, Ireland has gone from being one of the most conservative countries in Europe to now being one of the most liberal countries in Europe. We introduced abortion in Ireland going back about five years ago through referendum. We have one of the most uh, liberal abortion laws in Europe. Uh, and they want them to be more liberal. Um, there are campaigners at the moment making to want to make them more liberal. So it, it just surprises me that we have gone from a people uh, that would have been conservative and Christian um, to to being this kind of I I'm going to use the word woke because everybody else uses it, but we have become so liberal and and we've gone from one extreme to the other The pendulum has just swung right the opposite way, and I I just find it's like a runaway train and we can't stop it.
1: Yeah, it's that that piece about removing the truth, like um, you know, a male can be a female, A female can be a male. A, a, a baby is a clump of cells and and not a life. So once you you just take the truth out of there, then anything goes. And that's why you've moved from conservative to extremely progressive over in Ireland. And we're we're on that same trajectory. I mean, they're following the same model. There was a book called After the Ball, which um, was like the whole uh, marketing plan and psychological scheme of how they would come to embrace uh, gay marriage in the United States. If you look at that marketing plan, it is exactly the same thing that they're doing with transgenderism to try to get us to accept it. And it's been working uh, look, really I mean, hard. Look,
0: uh, whatever. I mean, look, we legalized gay marriage. We were the first country in Ireland, or in Europe again, to legalize gay marriage, come back about six years now, Look, I have no issue. If that's your sexual orientation and you fall in love with another man, you fire away, and I hope you're happy for the rest of your life. So I have no issue with that. What I have got an issue with, is, is not telling the truth. And if we're not telling the truth in relation to how somebody was born, I think we're basically telling, we're, we're actually legalising lying. And, you know, because I, I talked about this in relation to the birth certs going back a few years ago when they fought to have the birth certs changed. And I said, this is not just about virtue signaling or political correctness. This is about adjusting history. These are historical documents. So you're telling me that you should be allowed to change a historical document that on the day, on the 27th of November, 1972, you were born a male but you want to change that to a female, so essentially you want administration within the state to lie, to keep you just to make you smile again. And I just find that bizarre that we're willing to change a historical document. I mean, whatever about giving somebody another you know certificate of some description or what you know a gender affirmation certificate if that's what they want to do and it keeps them happy or wants them they're happy, but to actually change a historical document just to be on the right side of wokeism is just bonkers.
1: Yeah, I suppose there's many ways that one could compromise by like a certificate that shows like you changed your name after, later. Which is what you used to do with adoptions, but and I, and I think adoptions should should be uh, reflected uh, in the legal history and the documents as well, and it shouldn't say you know this person was born with whatever adoptive name. Absolutely. that's not the yeah. case, you know. But but of course, um, it should reflect the reality of the situation, so you can trace that whole history because we have a right to know what our history is. But instead, we're having this legal fiction, you know. Um, Parents are changing their kids' birth certificates. You can do that even in Texas. I don't think people realize that. They think Texas is so conservative, but you can change your ID, your state ID, your driver's license, your birth certificate, uh, your, your passport. But how, see, and, how
0: do you change whatever about your driver's license because that's something you, think you get at 18 or 16 years of age. That's fine. I mean, you do what you want with that. But, but, but the birth certificate blows my mind because it's a document that was written at the time you were born. You can't go back in time and change that. I mean, you were born with a penis. You were born with a vagina. You were born a male. You were born a female, XY chromosomes. You were born that way. If you want to transition, that's your bag. You fire away and do it. But why go back in time, in history, and change something? That's just a lie.
1: Well, you use that document to get the other the other documents, the, mm. the other documentation, like the driver's license and things like that. So uh, I guess that's the 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 legal yeah. reason that they're allowing that i i don't think it, they should be able to do that and i don't think like the driver's license it, that's your ticket you know in texas for everything uh, that is what the um men who are accessing women's spaces here in the united states are using they use their, their driver's license mm-hmm. or their state id and this if it says that they're female that they have every right to be in the female space, even with their clothes off. So, if it's at the the local YMCA uh, locker room, and a woman comes in after a swim and and faces a, a bare naked man in there. He has every right to be in there because the state recognizes him legally as a female. It's so. This has it's mind not been Thought through.
0: Now, mine absolutely I mean, this mind blowing.
1: paper, this paper, this document is the, is the are these documents medical treatments are they psychological treatments can the court can the court administer um health care and psychological care because that's what they're they're saying they need these these things for that this is a, a, gonna solve their dysphoria and that's not a medical treatment it's not a psychological treatment and we shouldn't be doing it
0: if people want to get me more information people who are listening who may be experiencing something similar they may have seen signs and what you were talking about they go Okay, I'm going through that. He wants to shave his legs at the moment or she has changed or whatever. Um, can they contact your, do you? Do you have a support group or is it a, is it just a campaign you're running at the moment? I mean, do you, do you have a community of people together? Is there a way of maybe getting advice for people who are looking for advice?
1: So they can go on Facebook to the Facebook group. It's, it is a private Facebook group, so you'll have to ask to join it. It's called Trans Widows Unite. And um, I recommend using an alternate ID, like create a Mm. different account for that, not using your name so that you can post in there with other trans widows and have an exchange uh, with us. And you can message me privately on that platform. And um, Mm. you can contact me, direct message on Tracy Shannon on Facebook or ask a trans widow on, on Twitter. And you can uh, message me, tracy at massresistance.org if um, you wanna connect. And we will have launched next month uh, with another platform is having, uh, with a trauma-based counselor. This isn't gonna be counseling or therapy, but it is gonna be a support group but the a counselor will kind of be um, overseeing mm. all that, but it isn't counseling, so because um, I can't administer counseling. But we will well, look, be having discussions for women who are through, through this. And so watch Ask a Trans Widow on Twitter for an announcement about that. The first first date will be August seventeenth.
0: Well, like I can tell you, Tracy, there's a book in your life, by the way. I don't know whether you're already working on it, but there's certainly a book in your life. Are you working on a book? Are you thinking about it? I would if yes. I was you.
1: I am presently working on a book and I'm looking for a publisher for that book. Yeah.
0: Okay, well if there's any publishers listen, I, I think that it would be a good a good read, certainly for any women out there who'd be concerned. Or indeed men, because it happens the other way around. More likely, it doesn't happen the other way around too much, by the way, because the majority would be men transitioning to women. But listen, thank you very much indeed, Tracy. I appreciate you taking the time to talk to us today. Uh, it's been a really interesting conversation. I'm sorry that you're a trans widow. Uh, my, I should really say condolences to you, because <laughs> but I know you're happy again and you're married again and life has turned around for you. So I wish you the best. I wish you the best success going forward in the future.
1: Thank you. The
0: multi-award-winning Niall Boylan Podcast.